what's up? Old Uncle Silverback coming at you with, after a long time of being away. What is today? Today is Saturday, the 29th of January, 2011. Well, we've got quite a few reviews for you guys today that we're going to play. And as always, I'll throw in my comments there after we play the reviews. Uh, so we'll go ahead and jump into those. But first, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to send in a review, if you'd like to send in an email, uh, do a voicemail, anything like that, or if you've got a question about something, or if you've got, uh, again, a particular product that you're thinking about buying and you'd like to review, send it in, and I'll uh, go ahead and play it, especially if it's something you're thinking about buying, because there's probably somebody out there in our listening audience that has that or had experience with whatever you're looking to get, and uh, could give us some some uh, helpful advice. Okay, so if you wanted to do a uh, an email, you'd send that to thearmedape at gmail.com, and uh, that would be also the place where if you wanted to do an MP3 and attach it, you could do that, and I could play it onto the show. Also, you can call in to our voicemail line, which is 206-339-3266. Uh, again, that number, 206-339-3266. And uh, don't worry about if, if you've got kind of a longer review or if you've done uh, done it in a couple of parts or after you've done the review, you wanted to call in and say, oh, I forgot about A, B, and C. I can always kind of splice everything together once I pull them off of, uh, uh, pull them off of the voicemail and stuff. So uh, again, hope hope to hear from you. Looking forward to hear from you. Um the more involvement we get and the more um, uh, participation we get from uh, you guys out there, the better a podcast I think it is. So you don't always just have to hear me droning on and on. All right, let's go ahead and jump right in with our first feedback. Hi, Tony. This is Dale from Frisco, Texas. Uh, this is a message for uh, your Armed Ape podcast. I was just on the road here listening to your last uh, podcast where you were talking about the headlamps. You had the uh, pencil headlamp. And I uh, just got a couple of thoughts for you. I have uh, one that is it's a browning headlamp. Mine is five or six years old, maybe even older than that. Mine was one of the very first LED lights they came out with. I am sure browning is not the manufacturer of it. I couldn't even tell you who's the manufacturer of it. Uh, it is just an on-off only uh, switch. I do not have any colored LEDs. It's just, you know, the white LED on there. It's got like five little LEDs in there, but couple of thoughts you'd ask for feedback, a couple of thoughts that I'd had on there that I had seen differing from some of the cheaper headlamps versus the more expensive ones, just in, uh, let's say, construction, is sometimes when you get the cheaper headlamps on the headband, they will have just a one circular headband that goes around the forehead, around the temples, over the ears, back, you know, around the back of your head, Um, and then they'll have typically some type of AAA, AA battery, maybe a 123 lithium battery, something like that. Uh, as you get into a little bit more expensive headlamp, I think the one I got was in about the same price range as yours. It was in the $40 to $50 range. Um, and then the one I have has a, has a I guess it would be a second band. Not only does it, ha- does it have the circular band going around the head, but it's got a band that goes up over the top of the head and hooks back into the circular headband in the back, if that makes if that makes sense. Uh, what it reminds me of when I'm 
putting the thing on my head, it reminds me of an upside-down jock strap. That may be kind of crude, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. And so where that is beneficial is um, the guys that I have seen, some of my buddies uh, went the cheaper route with just the one circular headband, and as they're looking down or looking around, they're always having to adjust that lamp back up to their forehead. If they adjust the band tight enough to where it holds in place, I mean, it, you know, you're going to get uh, not only a big indention in your head from the strap going around there, but it's just not comfortable at all. I can adjust mine where it's reasonably comfortable, and then I've got that top headband on there to keep the thing from falling down. So that's one of the things I thought I just uh, that reminded me that I'd bring up when you uh, when you were talking about feedback on them. That if somebody's looking for a new one. Uh, if it's just a few bucks more, if it were me, I would go ahead and get the one that has the top band on there. And like you, I typically use mine when we're out hunting and, you know, we get a deer late in the evening or something and we're field dressing. You could always use a third hand. Well, if I could have my headlamp up there, and I, it does have the swivel position where I can, you know, click it into five or six different clicks, anywhere from slightly up to all the way down. And so, and then that gives me that breeze up hand, and I've used it the exact same way underneath the, the cabinets in the attic, crawling underneath the house, you know, something like that. And so, and then one other thought would be batteries. If you use this thing any length of time at all, even if they are LEDs where they don't use a lot of batteries, I always recommend like the Energizer lithium batteries. Those batteries are going to last so much longer. How many times has there been a storm or an electrical outage or something like that? You go grab a flashlight and your batteries are dead. You shake the thing, you beat the thing, and finally you get a little bit of a twinkle out of it for a few seconds, and it's dead, and then it's dead. It's one of the things that frustrates me the most, so I am forever constantly replacing batteries. And then I'll save the batteries I pull out, even though they seem to power it fine, I'll save them for a remote or something like that. But I run, mine runs on three double uh, A batteries. I use those Energizer Lithium, and then... Every year before hunting, I always replace them, and then for odd jobs around the house, they're, they'll last more than enough. So anyway, that's just a couple of thoughts I had on the head uh, lamp that I have. The headband, in my opinion, will make it so much easier if you use it for any length of time. If you use it, you know, five minutes a year, you know, it may not be worth it to you. So anyway, thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Keep them both up. Okay, Dale, thanks for that. That's a good review. Um you know, a couple of things that you talked about, we'll talk about uh, kind of the batteries first, is the one that I have, I have the Petzl, and it uses three AAA batteries. And uh, I've had those for in there for quite a while, and they've been doing pretty good. But I think when I, when I go and get sort of my next set, I'm going to try and get those lithium ones. Uh, again, you might as well have them to last as long as as long as you possibly can. So that's a good a real good suggestion there that I'm going to take uh, and uh, get those for my spare batteries and stuff. And like I said, I'll I'll just let these go that I've got in there now, um, uh, and they'll probably last a long time, just because I don't I'm not using them all that much. Uh, and on mine, because it does have a you can do the lower setting or do the the red. Uh, and especially at night, once you're out there for a while, and this would be if you're out camping or something like that, uh, your eyes will kind of adjust. And what's nice for me about having that red one is, number one, it's not going to use as much power. But you find that once you kind of get a little bit of your night vision there, so to speak, uh, that that red provides you plenty of illumination. 
Now, I've never worn one, um, speaking about the headbands, and you were talking about how you've got the one that will basically is just on the top part of your head. So it goes, you know, from your forehead to the back of your head and, and ties into the to the uh, circular strap. Um, the one that I have, of course, just has a singular strap. And on mine, I've had it on for two, three hours at a time. Uh, and I haven't had the light on maybe that whole time, but I've just been wearing the thing. Uh, and I didn't experience really any discomfort with mine, and it stayed pretty good. And that may be due to the type of brand that you get. I don't know. It may be one of those things to where if you bought a uh, cheaper band, uh, maybe the elastic they use and it isn't as good or something like that, or it's, it hasn't been given as much thought maybe as something like one of the Petzl's or, or one of the other um, more expensive brands. Uh, but I'm like I said, I've been real happy with mine. I've had it for a while and used it, and so far, um, it's been doing really well. It's it's held up. Uh, I've dropped it a few times here and there, and it didn't you know break into a, a million pieces or anything like that. So anyway, Dale, thanks for writing in, and we appreciate that, and we look forward to hearing from you again. Okay, let's go ahead and hear our next bit of feedback. Hey, Tony, I uh, had some additional thoughts on off-road recreational vehicles. Uh, I don't even want to call it an SUV because one that I think gets overlooked a little bit unfairly is the Honda Element. And if we're honest about what the vehicle actually gets used for, I think the Element is probably perfect for outdoors activities for probably 95% of the population. The problem is it's really only good for like the first couple of years and then like any other vehicle, began to lose its focus uh, in later years before it was eventually canceled. In 2003 through 2006 are the years I would be looking at, and personally I would rather go with uh, 2003 through 2005. Now, used elements are still expensive, they're still pricey. Fortunately, since we want the earlier ones where their focus was a little more pure, they're less expensive. But, uh, you know, they're a Honda, they run forever, and therefore they, you know, they're just more expensive to buy. Uh, the reason I say they're such a good vehicle is because most people don't realize that uh, it was a bunch of very young engineers who put together the, uh, the focus groups and started working on this vehicle. And they did it based on what they wanted in a vehicle for their own outdoor use whether that was camping or mountain biking, kayaking, mountain climbing. Um, and they did their, uh, their studies in a lot less formal a way, basically. Rather than hold a focus group, their focus groups were to go out into the sticks and interview people who were also partaking in these outdoor activities. The uh, Element has these plastic gray body panels in its first year's because that was to prevent scratching. That was saying, hey, why bother scratching paint and damaging sheet metal when you can just buff out any scratches? Uh, it's got a vinyl interior, so you can literally hose it out. The sunroof in an element was in the back. The reason it was in the back is because when you're driving, you shouldn't be looking up into the stars and going, oh, hey, look at that. But what the element seats could do is all four of them would fold flat into a bed that would sleep too. And while you were sleeping, then you could gaze out the stars from that rear sunroof. Clever little touches like that. For instance, when you fold the seats up for storage, if you wanted to bring in uh, a couple of mountain bikes into the interior of the cabin, the seats would fold down 
uh, as far as like reclining all the way, 90 degrees, and then they fold up to fill in the spaces by the windows, almost like a panel van. The other thing is that the rear door isn't really a suicide door, even though it opens uh, in the reverse manner, because it doesn't open without the front door being open. What it does do, the reason it swings open like a clamshell like that, is because then there's no B pillar there, and it gives you a very wide point of entry for putting anything inside that you would like. Now, personally, I think it is a little bit underpowered. Uh, it's got a 2.4 liter engine, but the K-series engine from Honda is a good motor, and there's stuff that you can do. Personally, I don't know how much would really need to be done. Uh, it was never designed to be a rock crawler, although it does have all-wheel drive. The all-wheel drive is what they call real-time, meaning power only goes to the rear wheels when it starts losing traction in the front wheels. So primarily, it's front-wheel drive. Uh, again, though, for what most people are going to do, it's actually a really attractive vehicle. It's not a rock crawler. It's not a serious four-wheel drive, but it's an excellent base camp vehicle. And uh, I was really taken with it. When I test drove one, the steering radius on this thing, the turning radius, is so tight that I felt like it was practically spinning on its rear tire, whichever one was to the inside of the turn I was doing. Very impressive. Unfortunately, the cheapest I've seen them is still about $10,000. And at that price point, uh, that's honestly the biggest turnoff for me. Uh, if I could find one for cheaper that was, that was well taken care of, I would absolutely buy one. I think the K-Series motor should have several hundred thousand miles of life in it. And uh, very, very cool vehicle for off-road use. So just wanted to put that out there for any listeners. Again, I would be looking at a 2003 through 2005 when they started going to full body panels, painted all the way. Uh, and then the last couple of years, I think they had an option called the SC uh, or Sierra Charlie, if, if you can't hear me clearly enough. And uh, that was kind of this urban street thing, completely lost its uh, off-road ideal. I would stick with the early years and I would look for an EX trim level. So those are my thoughts on the Honda Element and uh, why it's worth considering. And, uh, you know, just putting that out there for anyone else who's looking for an off-road play toy. Y'all take care. Hey, Eric. Thanks for sending that in. Appreciate the review. You know, that Honda Element, that's something that uh, years ago when it first came out, I had looked at and... Uh, I think we were looking at maybe at the 04 model at that time. And I, we were thinking, well, let's just get something that would be pretty utilitarian that we could, uh, you know, kind of drive into the ground. And uh, the, you really can't hurt the interior of it too much. Uh, and it was basically going to be, you know, kind of like a, a driving to work vehicle and, and that type of thing. However, at the time, they were a little price. There's a couple reasons. Why we didn't go with that one of them was is that we felt for the price we were paying a little bit more and not getting as much for that price if you know what i mean it just seemed like what we were paying wasn't worth it uh, and at the time they were still new and kind of popular and so the dealerships really at that time weren't really willing to kind of come down on them enough to make it worth our while to uh, you know to purchase one also with it, I didn't like the fact that you couldn't control or put the four-wheel drive on whenever you wanted. You had to be down in, let's say, like first gear or something before you could actually 
physically do it. And uh, if I'm going to have a four-wheel drive, I'm going to want to have the controller. I don't want to. I don't want to give control to the computer. The way that it works, they they term it four-wheel drive, and I don't know if they've changed their drive system since. But the way that it works is that uh, once the computer gets the input that the wheels are spinning or that you're losing traction, it'll send power to the other stuff. Uh, eh, again, for 90, probably for 90, like he was saying, for 95%, 90 to 95% of the people that are out there, that would be fine. Um, also, I don't know how, again, it's not a rock crawler. I don't know how well it would do in kind of uh, slick or muddy conditions, that type of things. I don't know really how much clearance you would have that type of stuff. Uh, but having said that, it is a neat vehicle. And uh, again, I like the fact that you could, in theory, if you wanted, you know, sort of uh, hose it out because it was all just plastic inside, or you could take all the stuff out and kind of, you know, wash it down and get all the, the junk out of it. So if you, were, if you weren't going to go too far off the beaten track, it would probably be just fine. Uh, another plus of it is that if you needed to, you could sleep in it. You could fold the seats up and then put, your, put all your gear, which it was designed to do, of course. Um, but, but for me, again, I just I want something that would be a little bit more four-wheel drive capable. And so I think that probably long-term Eric will be a lot happier that he ended up going with that Jeep Cherokee that he got, um, which we talked about on... Uh, I think it was the last show or the show before last. Uh, but anyway, on a previous episode. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to hear from Brad. And I'm going to play this one now. And uh, this kind of ties in a little bit with uh, some of Eric's reviews from last time on that Jeep Cherokee that we were talking about. Tony, hey, it's Brad from West Michigan. Wanted to leave a few thoughts for Eric uh, Shelton, who left a <clears throat> review about his new... Uh, new used uh, Jeep Cherokee that he bought. First of all, congrats, Eric. That's awesome. I'm so jealous. Anytime anybody brings a Jeep, gets a new Jeep into the family, oh, so jealous. I can't wait till I get my next one. Um, I've owned six Jeeps now, uh, four Wranglers, a Grand Cherokee, and a Cherokee, much like yours. Um, I've loved every one of them. And with each one, I've gotten, you know, progressively, uh, I've learned more. I've done uh, more to them, um, done more with them. Uh, the one that I, the, probably my favorite Jeep would be my would be the Cherokee that I own. Um, I love my Wranglers, but that Cherokee, uh, what I liked about it was it just gave me a little bit more room to haul stuff around in than that Wrangler did. Um, if I had my way and the money, I would own both. I'd like to have a Wrangler for the summer, and a uh, Cherokee for the winter, or for year-round. Those Wranglers are real squirrely in the wintertime. That short wheelbase just uh, can be kind of rough. But uh, the one nice thing about them is they're squirrely to drive in the winter with snow, but you can normally get yourself out of a ditch with them because they're, they're a nice four-wheel drive <clears throat> little, uh, little machine. Um, Eric, here's some thoughts that I had on your Cherokee for you. Uh, just from a, a Jeep owner who's had some experience doing some stuff. Number one, uh, uh, the lift, if I could make a suggestion on a brand, uh, it would be BDS Suspensions. They're out of Michigan. Uh, B as in boy, D as in David, S as in Sam. BDS um, 
suspensions. Uh, they don't spend a lot of money and overhead on on uh, advertising. Uh, therefore, in my opinion, when you buy their products, you get what you pay for, and you're getting excellent components with a great warranty, no questions asked, replacements if any if you have any failures, and uh, support is top notch as well. Um, I would go with a two-inch BDS myself on that Cherokee. That's what I did on mine, and I thought uh, that it was a perfect lift for mostly driving on the road. So it was still safe and it wasn't too top-heavy. Gave it still gave it a nice road ride, but yet it gave me just enough clearance to where I could put bigger tires, get a little bit more clearance on my Jeep for some weekend uh, off-road driving. Didn't have to make any modifications to the drivetrain. If I would have gone with their three-inch lift, that would have been oh, probably almost two months, and I might have had to do some. Believe it or not, their three-inch is going to give you probably four-inch. Their two-inch gave me almost three inches. Um, the one thing I did have happen, and again, this is with those Jeeps, uh, Cherokees have that unibody construction. That can be a good thing, and that can be a really bad thing. And the one bad thing about unibody is any kind of vibrations that you introduce into the drivetrain or suspension, you're going to feel uh, substantially more in a, uni in a unibody construction vehicle. At least that's been my experience. And um, I had a little bit of a vibration happen at about 50 to 55 miles per hour after I put that lift on there. And what solved it for me was, was to replace, and I think it was the front lower control arms, BDS sells them, they recommend them for their two-inch lifts. They, I believe they include them automatically in their bigger lifts, and their higher lifts. I ended up buying them later to see if it would resolve my vibration issue, and it sure did. Um, it must have either rotated the front axle back into alignment or it did something with that front suspension area to put it back in shape to where it just gave me a nice smooth ride after I put those in. So just keep that in mind. That... That's just one little thing that happened to me. Um, winch is everything. Um, I'm a firm believer if you're going to go off-road and do any kind of off-road driving, um, you got to have a winch. Uh, I, it took me a long time to be convinced of that. I thought they were a big waste of money, and they were all show, no go. But i got to tell you, um, after I bought my first winch on my Wrangler, um, it, it got me out of so. It, it allowed me to. It allowed me and my friends to go to places that we normally wouldn't go, knowing that we, if we got stuck, we were really screwed. The winch saved our butts on many occasions. It made um, the weekend two track and up here so much more fun, just because we were able to, like I said, do things that we normally wouldn't do, out of fear of getting stuck. Um, so I would highly suggest. Um, thinking about that, if you're going to get into situations where you think you might need, uh, where you might get uh, stranded, and replace the steel cable that comes with the winches. I think they most of them still come with the steel cabling. Replace that with aftermarket synthetic rope. You won't regret it. The synthetic rope is lighter. It actually is stronger, and it's safer, too. Um, if synthetic rope snaps, it doesn't have that, uh, you know, that stretch and that rubber banding effect like steel cabling does. It takes somebody's head off. If it breaks, um, it's just much better. Um, and I would highly suggest investing in some good 
aftermarket rope instead of the steel cable. Good tires. Um, other than that, enjoy that Jeep, Eric. I'm, I'm jealous. I think you're going to have a great time with that thing. Those That 4-liter engine is bulletproof, and uh, most people who know uh, their their engines will, will certainly agree that that 4-liter straight-six Jeep engine, I, I cried the day I found out that Jeep was no longer producing those. Uh, I think that was a huge mistake, and a lot of Jeep fanatics were, were upset about that, and uh, that actually has prevented me from buying Jeeps, uh, newer Jeeps. Um, I, I just like that, that straight-six is phenomenal engine. So enjoy, Eric. You're going to have a great time with it. Um, thanks, Tony. Thanks for your time. Hope this helped. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey, Brad, thanks for sending in that review. Hopefully, maybe Eric will be able to get some good advice from you there. Uh, also, I'm sure there's lots of other people uh, that have the Jeeps out there that will find some of that stuff useful as well. You know, it's funny, I talked about on a previous show, a couple episodes back, and you know, we were talking about the different four-wheel drive things, and it's it's funny how you, of course, everything always has its, you know, its ups and downs, and the pros and cons of some of that stuff. But uh, there are some vehicles that I don't regret getting rid of that I had. There are others that I kind of, at times, I still wish that I had them. I still wish sometimes that I had that old Jeep uh, truck that I talked about before. And um, sometimes I wish I still had my old Scout. That was kind of a neat old, a neat old rig to have. But, uh, you know, life... Uh, at different times of life you're doing different things and all that stuff but again thanks for the advice on that you know a lot of the suspension things and the lifts they they're not cheap so it's good to find somebody that has some some uh, real world experience with them and and uh, has kind of put them to the test and and uh, knows whether they're any good or not so all right, well, I tell you what, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. I'm planning on doing a show again next week. Now, like I've said before, I've got some um, uh, feedback and some reviews and things that have been sent to me that I've been holding for doing uh, on upcoming shows. Uh, but don't let that stop you from sending stuff in. If you, Like I said before, if you have questions about something or you want to add a comment or you want to do a review, uh, and it can be on anything. It doesn't have to be on outdoor stuff. It can be on, uh, you know, Eric does movie reviews. I do them sometimes. It can be on, uh, you know, things even for different tools. It can be on a different brand of TV. It can be on pretty much anything that you want. So anything that you think other people uh, would like to use now one other thing and I as well and I always kind of forget uh, to ask this part but if you guys will go over to the website and that's thearmedape.com and you scroll down a little bit there's ads if you find something there that's interested that you think may be interesting uh, go ahead and click on that a lot of times lately there's been ads for gold and silver so if you're going and you're kind of checking maybe spot prices or things like that if you know if it's not too much of a hassle, go over to my site, click on that ad. Every time I it gets clicked on, I get a little bit of money. It's not much, uh, but like I've talked about before on previous shows, it does help defer some of the costs. Uh, I don't ever really want to take donations or anything like that if it gets to the point to where 
I would need to do something like that, I would really seriously consider probably ending the show. Uh, and I'm not saying, oh, if I, you know, if, if guys don't go over and click on those ads that the show is going to come to an end. Uh, but it does help, like I said, uh, kind of help pay for the domain names and the bandwidth and the servers and all that stuff. So if you guys think about it, uh, if you could go over and uh, just when you're on the internet, uh, when you sign on, maybe click over to my site, click on those ads, and then uh, kind of see if they interest you. And uh, that'll again, that'll help me with uh, deferring some of the cost of doing the show and everything like that. Okay, oh, and also, um, I've also got an ad like that over on Firearms Cafe, so if you, which would be firearmscafe.com, and then you can just scroll down a little bit, and then you can click on one of those ads, and uh, that'll help me out. All right, um, speaking of kind of begging for stuff, if you like the show uh, and uh, you think you get something out of it, uh, if you could, go over to iTunes and leave a review or rate it. Um, the written reviews uh, kind of help us out, I think, a lot. Um, we don't have that many right now, um, but any time that we get, excuse me, any time that we get a uh, a written review, it kind of helps. So that if if somebody's um, kind of flipping through the some of the different podcasts and things like that, if they come across it and they see that there's several reviews and and things like that, and it says that it's decent, maybe they'll go ahead and give us a shot. Uh, and then again, you know, the more listeners that we have and the more people that are participating in the show, I think the more that it helps us. Um, and, you know, a prime example of that is, you know, Bradson and his review for something that may be able to help not only Eric, but other people. But, you know, that's that's what really kind of what I wanted to have happen is that somebody sends in something to me, I can put it out in the show, and then somebody else can say, oh, hey, I have experience with that, or I want to warn this guy about such and such a company, or, you know, um, and it doesn't always have to be, oh, these things are great, you know, it, it's it's really good to know, too, um, that when something isn't great and isn't um, meeting up to uh, to what we would consider, you know, a good standard, that um, we should know about it and that way you know we don't waste our money we don't waste our time on it uh, so again if you uh, you know if you've heard about something and you had some experience uh, with that stuff in the past um, go ahead and send in the stuff to me like I said you can always feel free to go over on iTunes and um, and uh, leave a review I'm going to pop over there right now and see. Um, our last one was in September of 2010. So it's been a few months since we've had a review, a written review. And I think we've got one, two, three, four, five. We've only had about six. I'd like us to have a little bit more. But uh, like I said, if you've got the time and it's not too much of a pain in the ass, if you could do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. Alright, now is the time in the show when I like to uh, tell you guys some of the books and uh, TV shows and movies and things like that that I've been watching, give you some recommendations, also let you know some of the things that I think are good as far as other podcasts, deals like that. 
if you're into the older movies like I am, there is a podcast that I think is probably one of the better ones out there. It's called B-Movie Cast. It's hosted by uh, Vince Rotolo. Uh, actually, the last few episodes, his wife Mary has joined in, uh, which gives it a nice touch. Also, there's still Nick Brown is there. Uh, Nick also has is author of a book called Werewolf for Hire. Um, if you type in uh, Nick Brown and Werewolf into Google, it'll probably come up. And Nick is spelled N-I-C. Uh, and then Brown, if you don't know how to spell that, there's no hope for you. But, uh, all, as always, it's just a really good podcast. Um, we've got a good community over there. Other ones that I've been listening to, um, there's Scott Sigler, uh, who he's, he's right, I think right now he's finishing up with his uh, ancestor thing. For those of you guys maybe that don't know, what he does is he's um, a pretty successful author that he reads out all his a lot of his books and material on, on podcast form for free, with the hope that you'll go if you like him you'll go and support him. So, and uh, by doing that he's actually gotten a couple of, of uh, really good publishing deals, things like that. Um, let's see what else movies that I've been watching recently. Let me pull up my Netflix thing and I can uh, we'll take a look see at that and kind of see what some of the stuff that I liked in the past and some that I didn't know. Oh, I just got through watching uh, it's called Holy Mountain and it's by what the heck is that guy's name? I'm not gonna be able to really pronounce it too well. Uh, Jardosk? No. Let me take a look. Um, Andreo Jordowalski? Something like that. Anyway. I didn't like that movie at all. Um, it's, it was just really bizarre. Ha you know, you're just like, half the time you're just saying, what the hell? Um, and it got a lot of really good reviews. Um, but for me, it, it just wasn't that good. It's, it's, um, it, it was done in the seventies, uh, 1973. Uh, and so a lot of the message and the imagery, a lot of it, you're, it, there, it's almost like some of that experimental film, uh, like some of the Fellini stuff, um, I've never really been a big fan of that. Never been a big fan of uh, like the surreal cinema. Um, but I would not recommend it. I'm sure there's uh, some of you guys out there who are familiar with his work and and would uh, would be would be fine, you know, with doing that. Like uh, I guess who? What's that other guy? David Lynch. I guess um, I'm not a big fan of his either. But you know, to each their own. Uh, some of the stuff that I have been watching, um, I watched a movie called uh, Vengeance is Mine, which was a Japanese movie, and what it was supposed to be was about kind of this guy who is sort of a ne'er-do-well and how he kind of becomes a person who goes around uh, killing people, I think he ends up killing like two or three people in the film. Uh... That one, eh, I wasn't too, I wasn't too thrilled with that one either. It was okay. Um, you know, on, on uh, let's see, what's some other stuff I've watched? I think I talked about maybe Robinson Crusoe on Mars, um, which is pretty good. 
Again, that's an older movie, uh, and there is some hokey stuff to it. There was a couple of things in the movie where the uh, the guy kind of lords it over uh, Friday, so to speak, that were really kind of, I thought, out of character for him. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty good. I saw a movie called uh, District B-13. It's a French movie. Some of you guys may be familiar with what free running is, and that's where... Um, these guys are kind of run through a, a city setting and they're jumping like, you know, over stair, uh, over like stair rails and, you know, doing all sorts of kind of real crazy moves and things like that. But it's really pretty cool to see. Uh, but there was that movie called District B-13. It's on Netflix. I actually liked it. Um, it, for what it is, it's pretty cool. It's kind of weak on story and things like that, but... It's it's just a fun uh, it's a fun movie to watch you know kind of as a uh, uh, kind of turn your brain off and see a lot of action. Um, let's see, I did. I'm a pretty big fan of anime, and I watched. Uh, and this this is stuff that I've been watching over the last couple of months. But I got one the other day called The Place Promised in Our Early Days. Eh, I was kind of iffy on that. It was more. I think it was around like two hours long and it could have been, realistically, it could have been like a 30 or 45 minute kind of short film um, for what it was trying to do and trying to say. Um, a lot of a lot of the am, anime can be kind of, oh, um, kind of syrupy, sweet, or kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of... Uh, melodramatic I guess um, some of it can be you know kind of corny or over the top for me though when anime is done right uh, you can tell a really good story uh, one of those one of the one of my favorite ones is just a good a really good story and would make a good uh, live-action film although it's fine in, in animation is it was one called uh, Grave of the Fireflies, and it's the story and uh, takes place in Japan after, shortly after the end of World War II, and it's the story of a little boy. He's probably maybe nine or ten, and his five or six year old little sister. Uh, but it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, it's not, uh, it's not something. It's not like a happy feel good movie, uh, but it's just it's a good drama. And a lot of people, I think, miss out on a lot of stuff because they don't, they're not willing to watch something that's animation. Um, and they, they just tend to think of it as like a kid's cartoon. But a lot of the stuff, especially coming out of Japan, and again, this is with the, uh, in, in the context of if it's, if it's done well. So if, it, if it's got a good story and if, um, if the animation style is, is decent and if the people that did it kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of believed in it a little. Um, what's some other good things I've been watching? Oh, that, that's about it, I guess, I think, for right now. But anyway, I'm starting to kind of ramble on. So, my fellow monkeys, I will let you guys go for now and I'll talk to you next time.
This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini!